Good evening. <clears throat> it's good to be back with you tonight for our Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, we're going to be picking back up tonight in Romans chapter number 15. I know we've got chapter 15 and 16 uh, to go through in the book of Romans, and that'll complete our study through the book of Romans. I hope that you've enjoyed it. I know that I have, <clears throat> and uh, appreciate the opportunity to uh, come back and be with you tonight. Trust that uh, the Lord has blessed you this week. What a wonderful and beautiful week he has blessed us with. Uh, sure has been uh, nice and cool. We've enjoyed that. And thank God for uh, each and every one of you. Uh, like I said, if you want to uh, read along with us tonight, we're going to be picking back up with Romans chapter number 15. Pretty long chapter. We'll try our best to get through it. Probably won't um, just for time's sake. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> just want to let you know, hey, Mr. Dwayne over there how are you brother uh, appreciate uh, being with uh, god's people tonight but uh, uh we do want to go to the lord in prayer and then we're going to pick up in romans chapter number 15. our fathers we bow in thy presence tonight god lord we thank you lord for this uh beautiful blessed day god that you've granted to us father we thank you lord for your love and your kindness mercy uh, god uh, that you bestowed upon us we pray father lord that you Help us watch over us, keep us in care for us. We pray, God, as I, we open thy word tonight, God, that we would rightly divide it. Uh, God, and we would speak words that God be edifying to your church. God, that we'd be a uh, stepping stone, not a stumbling block. And Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you, God, uh, Lord, that it is the power of God unto salvation. And I pray, Father, Lord, that we would handle it uh, with care, uh, with love, and with mercy. And, Father, thank you, Lord, for watching over us and keeping us. Bless us, Father, as we read and study thy word tonight. We pray most of all, if there's one here uh, that may listen tonight or, or sometime in the future uh, that's never received Jesus, precious to their never-dying soul, I pray before uh, they go out into eternity to meet thee, I pray that they would uh, bow down, erect an altar somewhere, and receive Jesus, precious to their never-dying soul. Watch over us, keep us, and care for us. Father, we'll thank you. We'll praise you for what you do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right. Uh, Romans chapter number 15. We're going to get on with this. <clears throat> like I said, we'll try our best to work our way through the 15th chapter tonight. Probably won't get through it. It's got a lot. Uh, it's got a lot of verses, number one. And uh, I'm not real short-winded when it comes to the scripture. So um, just for the sake of time, uh, we want to... Uh, work our way through this but chapter number 15 we're going to read the first 13 verses we'll talk about those for a few minutes and then we'll pick up and uh, read a little bit more uh, if the lord allows chapter 15 verse number one we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification for even christ pleased not himself but as it is written the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell uh, on me for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written uh, for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another uh, to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore receive you one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the, of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, and that, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, 
For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles and his people. And again praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse. And, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And certainly we uh, ask that God that he would uh, uh, bless his word as we read it and study it tonight. But if, like I said, we're going to pick back up here in chapter number 15. I'm going to try not to be too wordy. Uh, sometimes I get too wordy. I uh, talked to uh, Brother Will Fuller today, and he said, you said you weren't going to go but 30 minutes last week, and all you did is uh, uh, say 60 minutes worth of stuff in 30 minutes. So, <laughs> But uh, uh, I, I'm going to try and take my time tonight and work our way through this. But uh, uh, but like I say, we this continuation of chapter number 15 right here, we talked about uh, the civil authorities, how we should treat one another, civil and personal governmental authorities. Uh, as we worked our way through chapters 12, 13, and 14, then we get to, uh, and I know that uh, chapter 15 is picking up from the tail end of chapter 14. I'm not going to go back and rehash that. Uh, but it, as we dealt with in chapter number 14, where it was talking about those <clears throat> that would be considered weak in the faith uh, or uh, those that uh, uh, maybe within uh, and of themselves were not of full age yet, maybe they're still on the milk and not the meat. Uh, and that was uh, casting the burden upon the church where uh, we ourselves uh, should shoulder the burden more so. Uh, we as uh, the saved people of God, and we read this, and I believe I've mentioned this in another place and in, in time, when we read our church covenant, uh, that church covenant tells us that we're going to, uh, when we affiliate and we, uh, uh, and we join up with the church, um, it says that we're going to commit to religiously educating our children. The Bible tells us in the book of uh, Proverbs, train up a child in, way, in the ways in which it should go. When it grows old, it shall not depart from it. And so we see those things, that there's an educational process. Uh, and we as the church, we should, uh, we should be pursuing discipleship, making sure those that are saved by the grace of God, that they understand the tenets of the Word of God, that they understand the whole counsel of the Word of God, that they uh, can and take and apply these things in their lives. Uh, the Bible tells us this. It said to work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. A lot of times we take that perception in the context of that verse and we isolate it down to one specific point in time and event when uh, somebody makes the confession that they're going to believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Uh, and we say that that must be an isolated individual event. And friends, listen, I believe that a person should independently uh, uh, personally work out their salvation between them and God. That's not something that I can negotiate for them. I can't ask forgiveness for them. Uh, friends, that is a personal relationship. That's uh, listen. It, it's sustained throughout the entirety of your life it personally, and when it is accepted and when it is received, it is a personal invitation. When you meet Jesus on the terms of His gospel, the Bible tells us, and we quoted this, and we said this just a few minutes ago in our prayer in chapter one of the book of Romans. He said, "For the word of God, uh, listen, is the power of God unto salvation." Uh, Hebrews 4 and verse number 12, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions or the intents 
of the heart. The word of God is powerful. I, I love uh, St. John chapter 1, verse number 1. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, uh, or the logos. The, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same as in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him, there's nothing made that is made. So, friends, listen, we have uh, this precious word of God, and it is left up to us to disciple those uh, that are newly converted. Uh, and those that are young in the faith and on the milk of the word that we religiously educate them. Now, I didn't say that we religiously coerce them, uh, friends, and we browbeat them and we tell them what they must believe. We must posture them in questions where they will uh, take, uh, uh, listen, a liking to the word of God that they would read it, eat it, absorb it, pray over it. I read this quote yesterday. I believe uh, Tony Howard posted this uh, quote by uh, Brother Charles Spurgeon. So uh, somebody asked him the question, uh, what's more important, reading the word of God or praying? Uh, and he asked him the question back, what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? Uh, you see, there, uh, these are things that must uh, be acquired in our lives. They are necessities. The Bible tells us we walk through the gospel of John, and I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to get on with the text. But the Bible uh, tells us in, in, in the gospel according to St. John, he said, I am the water of life. I am the bread of life. Uh, listen, he said, I am the light of life. Uh, friends, listen, when we understand what Jesus is telling us, friends, uh, science, medical science has told us this. There's two sustaining factors to the human body. You must have bread and you must have water. Uh, and that's to, to sustain temporal, carnal life. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life and I am the water of life. In John chapter 4, uh, he told the woman by the well in Samaria, he said, I am the water of life. He told the Pharisees, he said, your, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, but he said, they're dead. Uh, he said, but I command thee that you eat of me. He said, I eat of me, my body. He said, for I am the bread of life. Friends, so listen, we know that there are two sustaining factors, physically and carnally and, and temporally. Uh, listen, we know that they're bread and we know that they're water. We know that they are sustainers. We know that they give us energy. Uh, but we understand today that our spiritual life and our eternal life, that far transcends anything that this world holds is solely and wholly in the Lord Jesus Christ. Aside from us being in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have nothing. Uh, friends, I want to say this. I, I had the opportunity this weekend. Uh, we were off camping and, and, and uh, uh, Hayden and one of his best friends was there camping with us. And uh, we were in the field playing wiffle ball with, one with another. And the, uh, uh, and the young man come up to me and he said, I'm scared. Uh, listen, when I, when I hear people talk about the Lord coming back and all the things that shall transpire, he said, it scares me. Uh, and I thank God that we had an opportunity pre uh, presented to us to, uh, to, to talk about these things. Because Jesus tells us this, and I promise I'll get back to this in just a minute. You know how I am. Uh, but listen. Jesus tells us about this and said, listen, that there's, uh, there, there's going to come a falling away. Uh, we know that there's going to be a pruning of the vine. These are scriptural things that we know must come to pass. Uh, listen, Jesus told them this. He said, you can discern the face of the skies, but you cannot even discern uh, the signs of the times. And friends, listen, that's a, that's a place that we live in today. Uh, but Jesus told us this. He said, when you see all these things coming to pass, he said, to look up for your redemption doth draweth nigh. So friends, listen, we 
shouldn't focus on the negativity. Uh, but we must understand this. And the gospel, the New Age Gospel Church uh, that has been saved by the grace of God, uh, that study uh, fervently the Word of God. Friends, listen, we, we, sh- we shouldn't find uh, uh, fear uh, in the coming of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, a lot of times, it, uh, a lot of times, a lot of people will, will you'll have a conversation with them. They say, "Well, I'm scared to die." You know why we're scared to die, uh, friends? It's because we can't talk to somebody who has died and come back and can tell us what we're going to experience, what it's like, what we're going to go through, what are the feelings, where do we step out of this life when we take our last breath and we take. Uh, uh, listen, as Billy Pooh said this many, many years ago, he said, uh, "Goodbye here is hello there." So uh, we see that constituted in the Scripture. Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter number five, he said, "To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord." So we know when we leave this present life and we step out of this temporal life and we step into eternity that all things change forever. Amen. Uh, friends, listen, we're going to possess, uh, listen, we're going to uh, that wonderful land of purity where there is no sin, no sorrow, no pain, nor uh, sickness, nor crying, nor death. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, he said, for the former things have passed away, and behold, I have made all things new. What a profound statement. And, and thank God that we're going to that perfect place with our perfect Savior. Uh, in John chapter 14, the Bible tells us about a prepared place for prepared people. Uh, listen, and those that are prepared are those that have received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. But friends, listen, now I'm bringing this all back home to say this. Uh, there are uh, there were some out there, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 15, as we see it says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not uh, to please ourselves. And friends, listen, we need to understand this. We need to approach the word of God with humility. I, I, I know this personally about myself. Uh, the longer that I have stayed in the way, the longer that I've studied, the longer that I've prayed, the longer that I've sought God's face, uh, the more and the more uh, uh, relevant the revelation has come to me, especially in knowledge, that I don't know what I thought I used to know. Amen. The more I study, the more I realize I do not know. But I think that we ought to uh, keep our feet planted and grounded in our humility. But in the same circumstance, we must reach a point in time where we understand that it is our obligation, that it is our commission through the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to help those that are coming along. Uh, Friends, listen, I I realize this. I'm thankful that Paul had a Timothy. I'm thankful uh, for those younger preachers that have uh, announced their calling to preach or they have uh, the, or, or, or whatever their capacity may be today uh, while we were trying to serve as an under shepherd and pastor uh, where they are I, I'm thankful for those interactions that we can have I'm thankful that we have uh, built that relationship uh, listen where we can try and impart some knowledge and some wisdom and friends, listen, that's something, uh, you know, a lot of times we want to possess everything, everything that we learn. We just want to keep it. We want to possess it. We don't want to give it to anybody else because we want to be the smartest person in the room. But friends, we must understand that for the furtherance of the church and for the health of the church, especially in today's time, for the health and the edification, the beauty of the church, we must move beyond, uh, listen, our personal ambitions, our personal knowledge gaining. We must start start divulging, uh, listen, all the information, all the wisdom that we can pour into those. Friends, listen, there's some people that just don't want to hear it. Uh, Listen, uh, and I understand that. 
I'm not here to force my opinions, my thoughts, or my theology on anybody, but I do want to be able to uh, communicate what God has uh, shown me through his text. This is not special revelation. Amen. Uh, Friends, listen, anything that is novel or new is trash. It's garbage. Amen. Uh, Friends, listen, the word of God is not novel. It is not new. Uh, Friends, listen, we need, uh, but I'm going to tell you something, friends. Listen, we can read the word of God on a daily basis. We can read every text. We can, once we understand and absorb the context, God can speak to us in a new light, in a new way every single day. I'm not talking about that God can't speak through his word in a new way. What I'm telling you is, uh, is the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing novel, uh, listen, in those basic theological concepts. And we as the church should make sure that we can religiously educate and that we can uh, raise up a new generation. I'm thankful that God allowed Paul uh, to raise up a Timothy. Uh, Friends, and listen, if you've heard me for long at all, I I am a a huge proponent uh, of taking somebody under your wings to pouring into them, to helping them, praying with them, studying the Word of God with them. Uh, Friends, listen, we need somebody uh, to carry on our heritage. Amen? Uh, We need somebody to make sure that the gospel is communicated, that it proceeds. Hey, the Bible tells us that the gates of hell shall not get prevail against him. I understand that. Uh, but friends, listen, we need to pave and make a way. Well, I thank God for the good older preachers uh, uh, and the good men of God that prepared and made a way uh, for me. I think about the Cecil Reeves and the Jack Pierce and the Clyde Coleman, uh, the Miss Annie Ruth Stowers. I, I, I thank God for the Spud Englishes and the Jack Biddies and the Tim Biddies and the Gary Englishes and all those uh, people that had influences in my life. I thank God for the Billy Pools, amen. Listen, there's just too many to name the cotton heresies of the world that afforded us opportunities. And that's what we need today. We need to help those. And so the Bible says that we that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not please ourselves. Uh, Friends, listen, I remember Chad Dale brought this up uh, several, several weeks ago. It was before, uh, before any of this uh, COVID stuff even even crept up, and he made this statement in uh, in church one uh, one Sunday night, I believe it was, talking that he had a conversation with a friend of his, uh, and and his wife made the comment to him, said, "I just don't get nothing out of church anymore," uh, and, and the man replied back to her with a profound statement, uh, and that statement was this: uh, "You know, uh, we've got all." Uh, and we've got and we've got and we've got for all these years. Now it's time for us to give. And friends, listen, there reaches a point when we've got to stop wanting and taking and start giving. Uh, friends, listen, but I'm thankful. Boy, aren't you thankful for the word of God that we have it given to us, that we have the spirit to give us utterance and to help us, that we can study the word of God uh, together collectively and corporately. We can uh, begin to uh, we can begin to unwrap the jewels that he has hidden for us in his precious word. And now the Bible says in verse 2, Let every one of us please his neighbor, for it is good to edification. So the, the, scripture, uh, the scripture tells us here, Now define neighbor. Uh, who is thy neighbor? Uh, well, Jesus said, I laid down my life for my friends. 
Uh, listen, his neighbor uh, is his brother, is his sister, is his mother, is father. Uh, so Christ, uh, we see Paul folding in the theology of Christ uh, when we should uh, share and shoulder the burden of our neighbor holistically. Uh, I didn't get to say this. I didn't get to finish this. I, I lost my thought just a few minutes ago. But friends, listen, I, I told my son uh, and his best friend uh, on Sunday evening, as a matter of fact, I believe it was, uh, we were having the conversation amongst ourselves, uh, and, I, and I told them this, you know, with all the uh, socioeconomic and all the, mar- the rise of Marxism that's coming up today, they're wanting to destroy capitalism, wanting to implement socialism, uh, and I'm not here to preach about politics or anything else, but I, I, I do want to say this. Uh, that argument, everything that is going on in our country right now, uh, listen, it's being masked and it's being masqueraded uh, as a racial divide or it's being masqueraded uh, as a social or an economic divide. Uh, But I I told my son and, and his friend the other day, I told him this, when somebody makes a comment to you that a, uh, listen, I first want to baseline this. Do black lives matter? Yes. Do all lives matter? Yes. Every race, creed, and color, they matter. But friends, listen, we're not here to discuss. I'm not here defending race tonight. I don't believe the Word of God defends that. But what the Word of God establishes to us is that the ground is level at the cross of Calvary. Amen. I I, want to say this. It does not matter what blood runs through your veins It matters whose blood saves you from your sin. That's the topic that needs to be addressed. Not all the socioeconomic and racism issues that are floating about. Friends, those are all masquerading uh, what they're really attacking. They're really wanting to attack Christianity. And and I'm just going to meet them where it matters. Amen. When somebody tells me that something specific matters, I'm going to combat that with this argument that the ground is level at the cross. And if we go into eternity, if we receive that mansion that Christ has prepared uh, for us, then we'll go there one way. And it's not explicit uh, to race, creed, or color. It is explicit to whether or not you by faith have believed and received the grace of God, whereby you are salvifically set free by the cleansing, healing touch, and the power of the blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the argument that we need to be having. He said, for uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds was what Paul said in Second Corinthians. I, listen, Paul wrote this in Ephesians six: For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against uh, uh, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual darkness, against uh, against the rulers of the darkness of, of the powers of the air. Uh, friends, a lot of times we we have our sword in the wrong fights. Now, should we not stand up for these things? Yes, we should stand up for what we believe is scripturally and biblically right. Amen. We should stand firm on those things. But friends, listen, we need to meet them with the cross of Calvary. We need to establish. Uh, Listen, what does the word, listen, I believe in objective morality. 
Amen. I don't believe in subjective morality. Uh, when people uh, adhere and grasp on to subjective morality, they basically mean what they say when they uh, what they mean when they say these things is that uh, they believe that every person uh, can do whatever they feel is relatively right in their own lives. But friends, listen, there is an objective morality, and that uh, the object of our morality is God. That's how we establish the existence of our Creator. Because there is a moral law. It is inherently wrong to every person in the world. It does not matter race, creed, or color. Uh, friends, listen, it is inherently wrong to kill a child. It's just wrong. Murder is wrong. It's not something that it, uh, it, it is. That's not something subjective, friends. Listen, that we can agree whether it is right or wrong. It is objectively a moral violation uh, of the moral law that God has implanted and impregnated on every single individual and person. So, friends, listen, when we, uh, when we have these discussions, everybody wants to break everything into subjectivity, but the, uh, there's, there, there is no subjectivity. There's only objectivity, and our object is the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, he is the object of all moral reasoning. So the Bible tells us here, it says, listen, uh, uh, in verse number three, for even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach me fell on me. The reproaches of them. That reproached thee fell on me. So this is, uh, the Bible is quoting this, or Paul is relating this as Christ. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them. So the, uh, the false accusation and the reproaches, the hate, the jealousy, the anger, uh, all these uh, emotional responses that were cultivated. Uh, friends, listen, all the reproaches of them that reproached you when he was talking about uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, all the followers of Christ, then they then fell on me. So, friends, listen, uh, we must understand and we can see this uh, reverberated and clarified better in Isaiah chapter number 53. I'm going to go over there. We're going to read a couple times in Isaiah tonight. But I love Isaiah chapter number 53, and I want to draw your attention, uh, and I'm probably going to chase a rabbit right here. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you in the, in, in the outstart of this. Isaiah chapter number 53, it says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? These are questions. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? These are questions that are opening up as we enter this. For the Bible tells us in chapter or verse number 2, it says, For he shall grow up before him, as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness, and when he and when we shall see him, there uh, is no beauty that we should desire him. So, friends, listen, we see here the future prophecy of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse number three, the Bible tells us, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we uh, esteemed him not. I, now, I want you to pay attention to the uh, to the use of the language that's recorded in Isaiah 53. It's all past tense. Uh, and, and listen, in chapter, uh, verse number three, the Bible says in the latter portion of the verse, it says, He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. The Bible tells us, pay attention to this, but he was 
past tense, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was past tense. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, friends, listen to me. In Isaiah chapter number 53, we have a future prophetical event about the incarnation of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, at the second, when we see the manifestation of the second person of the Trinity and the incarnation, the Emmanuel. This is a future forward-looking prophecy of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But now we have the, the, the forward-looking prophecy is recorded in past tense language. Why, why, why? And I want to read this to you. Uh, listen, as we read over here in First Peter, amen, I love the Word of God. I believe the Word of God, uh, listen, uh, is, uh, is what describes uh, all the context of the Word of God is taken from the Word of God. The best commentator of the Word of God is the Word of God. Uh, so First Peter chapter number one, now you remember this, we see in context in Isaiah chapter 53, the second person of the Trinity, the Emmanuel. Uh, we see a future prophetical, uh, prophetical event by uh, Isaiah the prophet as he is prophesying of our soon coming Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But when he prophesies of the soon coming Savior, he uses past tense language. Why does he use past tense language? First Peter chapter number one, the Bible tells us this. I love this text. First Peter chapter number one, verse number 17. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons, uh, judges to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning here with fear, for as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now here is the key hinge point and, and, and the key verse and verse number 20, who verily was foreordained before, before, before the foundation of the world, but was manifest uh, in these last times for you. Friends, listen, we have an eternal, uh, listen, the eternal begotten, amen. Who is the eternal begotten? The eternal begotten is the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, friends, listen, Christ existed in eternity past. That means that he has no beginning and he has no end. He is not created. Nobody created God because he is an eternal being. So the Bible, I, I want us to bring us back home to this, and we must understand this. Uh, friends, listen, uh, it's not that it will happen, uh, but friends, we must understand that it has already happened. It wasn't as good as done. It was done. Amen. We need to understand before in the beginning, in the beginning was recorded in Genesis chapter number one. We must realize, we must reconcile within our minds, uh, friends, listen, that it wasn't as good as done. It was done. Why was it already done? Because he was foreordained before the foundation of the world, and he was manifest in these last times for you. That's why Isaiah wrote in chapter number 53 of the future prophetical uh, Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he used past tense verbiage, because the atonement and the sacrifice had already been given. Amen? Uh, listen. We see John the Revelator. I, I told you I was going to run a rabbit. I, I told you before I did it. Uh, now listen, we see John the Revelator uh, over here, and we quote, we quote this often as well. In Revelation chapter number 5, 
Uh, we have uh, a, uh, a time and place where John the Revelator, he said, I looked uh, into the midst of the throne and saw him that sat uh, upon the throne, is what the Word of God says. In uh, Revelation chapter 5, I listened and it says, I saw a strong angel with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and loose the, seven se- or loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven nor in earth nor under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders uh, said unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, and uh, uh, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. I love verse 6. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, one and one of, of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. As it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, uh, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand hand of him that sat upon the throne. Uh, friends, listen, we see here uh, that we have this future prophecy of our Messiah. We see where uh, Peter writes to us in the first chapter in the 20th verse that he was foreordained because he existed in eternity past. Uh, friends, thankfully, friends, that we have this understanding. Uh, uh, listen, and I talk lots of times, and I've talked about this in previous days, about the omniscience of God, how fundamental it is to the understanding of the Word of God. The omniscience of God, uh, listen, what it tells us is this, that God's knowledge uh, is encapsulated of three different parts. Uh, we, uh, listen, we, we have what uh, man could do, what man would do, and therefore he knows what man will do. Let me go through that one more time. So if God knows what man could do, he knows what man would do in every circumstance. Let me redefine that. If, if God knows what man could do in every circumstance, he knows what man would do in every circumstance. Therefore, he knows what man will do in every circumstance. Now, I want to say this, and, and you've heard me say this before at church. Right, friends, listen, knowledge is not causal. Because God knows something does not mean that he causes it to happen. Uh, so the free, free volitional libertarian responses of the created creature is not infringed or imposed on just because God knows something, because Christ knows something. Uh, friends, I, I use this example a lot of time. If I take this pen right here, and if everything works in accordance with gravity, uh, listen, I, I know one thing. When I drop this pen, it's going to fall and hit my Bible. And that's exactly what it did. And just because you knew that was going to happen does not mean that you caused it. Uh, friends, listen, we need to understand today that, that knowledge is not causal. Because you know something does not make it, uh, does not make you, uh, does not make you make it happen. We can know certain things uh, with absolute certainty. We have two children. If I was, if, if if my wife and I were to have a third child, and I know I'm getting a little bit deep and uh, probably too wordy, but if we were to have a third child, I know this with certainty that that third child would be a sinner. Why? Because we are born into depravity. So, friends, listen to me. We must understand uh, that my knowledge of that does not cause that. But we are thankful that Christ has made a way. 
Amen. That Christ has made a way that all those that by grace through faith would receive him on the free volitional terms of the gospel. That would respond to the gospel positively. Uh, Amen. Uh, If we just respond, boy, I wish the whole world would respond to the gospel. If we'd respond positively, the Bible tells us that he will save us. Amen. It's not a negotiation. It's a fact. That's what he went to the cross of Calvary for. But listen, I'm going to read on with this, and I'm going to get back over here. Uh, Done went 30 minutes on three verses. Definitely not going to finish the chapter. So, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Are. Presently. Amen. Hallelujah. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of them to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on them the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He has brought his lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For uh, the transgression of my people was he stricken. So, friends, listen, now we see uh, the verbiage that, uh, that, uh, that Paul was communicating in uh, chapter number 15 when he talks about the repro- reproaches of them uh, have fell on me. But, boy, I'm thankful that we have a Savior. Now, I'm going to get on with this. I probably done bored people uh, half into clicking on another channel. So, it says in verse 4, For uh, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Boy, I'm telling you, boy, ain't you glad for the things that are written? Ain't you glad for the word of God? Uh, that it is just presently alive. Uh, listen, uh, a lot of times, a lot of people say that the Constitution, you know, this is uh, the, the debate of the day, right? They say, well, the Constitution be changed because it's a living document. No, the Constitution is not, absolutely not, a living document. The, caps, uh, the Constitution is a journal that's well respected among this country and should be uh, maintained and respected. It's a good article. Thank God that I live in the United States of America that it, uh, listen, that men and women have fought for that constitution. That constitution is what establishes our freedom, but it is not a living document. It's not to be negotiated. It's not to be changed. Uh, that is the constitution of the United States of America. But I'm going to tell you something. You won't talk about what a living document it is. This is the living document. The living document is the word of God. Uh, friends, listen to me. Uh, the word of God, my friends, listen, it is very much alive and well. We do not serve a dead Savior. We do not serve uh, anybody or anything. I don't, personally. I don't serve a dead Savior. Uh, I serve a uh, alive and well Savior who is loving and listening and mediating uh, and actively engaging his church today. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And I want to just stop right here and say this one more time. Friends, listen to me. Uh, We are, uh, just as a whole, I'm not talking about you individually, but just as a whole, we really, 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 as a whole, as a nation, as a people, as a church, it seems like that there's no hope anymore. Seems like people just giving up. Uh, friends, I, I, I preached this, uh, I believe it was two Wednesday nights ago. I preached on the surrender of the Spirit. 
And I just want to reiterate that again tonight. Friends, listen, there's nothing been taken from us. We've surrendered these things. And when you start surrendering these things, you'll start to lose hope. And boy, I tell you, I see it uh, on the face of the people. I hear it in the singing. Uh, Where has hope gone, church? Friends, listen to me. We look around and uh, I know things are different. They're not like we want them. Uh, listen, do you think I want to be? Uh, I thank God that I can be. I thank God that I have a desire to be in my basement by myself in my office having the privilege to have Bible study with you tonight. Thank God for that opportunity. But is this where I want to be? No, I'd rather be with you in the house of God uh, being able to hear the songs of Zion. I'd rather... Uh, be able to feel his presence in the numbers. I'd rather be able to see the tears stream. I, I'd rather to uh, be able to hear the shouts. But friends, listen to me. Those are things I'd rather have. But friends, listen, I'm still looking for those things. And if I never get to see them uh, again here, this side of eternity, I'm going to a place where I shall bask in them for eternity. But friends, it, it, that, that, that's not to say that I'm losing hope. I, I'm hoping that we see those things in the near future. I'm hoping for our revival. I'm hoping to see people saved. Uh, friends, listen, uh, when, we, when, we have, when we have fundamental hope, amen, the Bible tells us this in, 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 in Hebrews in the 11th chapter. He said, now faith is the substance of things hopeful and the evidence of things not seen. That evidence is hope, friends. Listen, and we need not falter or fail or fall by the wayside, uh, but friends, we need to have hope. And when we have hope, we'll have charity. What is charity? When we have hope, we have love. And when we have love, then we can pray and shoulder the burdens uh, for those who are less fortunate, those who are sick, and those uh, who, who just have less but friends, listen, most of all, we can hope uh, for the unity of the church. This is what I desire. I desire wholeheartedly, intensively, I desire the unity of God's people. Friends, listen, because there's more lost people today than there ever has been in the history of time. And it's time that we uh, take hold of the plow, stop looking back. It's time that we take hold of the plow, that we fervently press forward. That's what Paul said. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, it's time that we press forward, that we move forward with hope and with patience, with fervor and with expectation. I'm glad, friends, listen, that we can pursue and persevere through this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the hope of the church. That is the hope and the joy of the redeemed. Press on. I want to be an encouragement. Press on. Chapter, or verse number five. Now the God of patience and consolations grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another, according to Christ Jesus. And you've heard me quote this verse numerous times. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter number 12. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind, the metamorphosis of your mind, the complete abstract change. Uh, friends, you are something different today than you once were. Friends, listen, the Bible tells us to be like-minded one toward another. According to Christ Jesus, we need to be seeking after. We should desire the mind of Christ. We should desire the things of God. Uh, friends, listen, now moving forward, and we'll try and wind this up. It says, wherefore receive one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. What about this? Now, verse number seven is a mouthful. Wherefore receive you one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. How did he receive us? I want to remind you of scripture in Romans chapter number five. Romans chapter number five. The scripture tells us this. And patience experience and experience hope. Verse number four. Verse number five. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. Verse number eight, but God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wherefore you receive one another as Christ also received us to glory of God. How did he receive it? He received us in our sin. Friends, listen, I'm going to tell you something. If we don't get our righteous blinders off, uh, friends, listen, and uh, we must understand that the lost world is lost. Amen? Uh, friends, sin is, uh, the Bible tells us this, that there is pleasure in sin for a season. Amen? But we, we that are redeemed know and understand that, that see, when the jig's up, and that season is come to fruition. We understand that sin will keep you longer than you wanted to stay and take you further than you wanted to go. We know those things. But friends, we must understand that we are dealing and interacting with a world of sinners. They are not saved. Don't forget, they are not saved. They don't, uh, they don't have the mind of Christ. They don't possess the new spirit. Uh, friends, listen to me. They are uh, enthralled and encapsulated. Go back and listen to my message last Wednesday night on depravity. Uh, friends, listen. They are in a state of depravity, and it is our job to communicate the good news of the gospel that they don't have to die in their current state. But I'm going to tell you something. If we really have a desire to see lost people saved, we're going to have to understand that lost people live in sin. Amen. Uh, lost people don't put on a three-piece suit. They don't fix their hair. And most of them will not come to the house of God. We've got to take the message of the gospel into the world. The church is a wonderful place. I love to see people saved in the house of God. Uh, listen, most precious times and memories of my life that will never be taken from me. They, they are hope. They are encouragement. And I'm sure they are to you. But friends, listen to me. Uh, we're living in a state and in a time right now, and, and if you can't see this, yes, we still are fervently pursuing those that are lost and in need of a Savior. But when we come together as a body, 
Amen. Forsake not the assembly of yourselves together as a manner of some is. So the Bible tells us that Paul told us that or Luke or whoever you believe wrote the book of Hebrews in the book of Hebrews. He said, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is. God wants, Cecil Reeves said this 25 years ago. He said it and I never forgot it. A bundle of sticks is hard to be broken. One stick is easily broken. And I'm going to tell you something. That's why we should come together. That's why we should pray together. That's why we should read and study the word of God together. I, friends, listen, that's why we should question one another. I, friends, listen, we'll ne- I, I had a, uh, listen, my professor, uh, when I was in trade school, uh, listen, uh, he said the only he said this, and, and what stuck with me and resonated with me and every person that I've ever had the opportunity to encounter or mentor or help them personally or spiritually. Uh, he told me this, and I've never forgot it, and I've tried to communicate it as best I possibly can to everybody that'll listen. He said the only stupid question is the one not asked. And I'm gonna tell you something, friends. Listen, if you're afraid to ask a, a, a scriptural or theological or a church-related question because you're afraid that people will think you're stupid friends you'll never prosper you'll never better yourself and you'll never grow uh, now did i say that you had to believe what you were told no that we should go back to the word of god we should assess the word of god we should pray over the word of god and see if it lines up with the word of god my friends listen to me i'm gonna tell you something if we never ask we'll never know so the bible tells us here moving on i'm gonna try and wind this up now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Uh, as it is written, for this cause I will confess thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And this is what we've uh, extensively addressed. And I'm not going to uh, redo it, rehash it tonight for the sake of time. Doesn't mean going 50 minutes here. But go back and listen. Uh, to Romans chapter number 9, 10, and 11. Uh, if you want to hear uh, a very extensive explanation uh, of these verses. But the Bible tells us that Christ is the one that came uh, to the Gentiles. He's also the ones that came to the circumcision or the Jews. But he is Lord and God over all. And again, praise the Lord, uh, all you Gentiles, and laud him, or praise him, all you people. Verse 11. In verse 12 and 13, and we'll read these and we'll, we'll, we'll finish up tonight. And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. And of course, we see here that this is speaking about uh, the future loins of Jesse that is spoken of. And I'd like for you to go home, do a little homework, uh, uh, and see where... Uh, David's uh, grandmother descended from, as we see, uh, if you go back and read the, read the last chapter of the book of Ruth and see the significance and the emphasis as we see the Gentile bride is already uh, being integrated in Ruth. Uh, but we see that where uh, the, when the root and the offspring of Jesse, uh, which is the son of man, the son of David, the son of God, manifest in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, And it says, uh, listen, this is a prophecy of Isaiah. There shall be a root of Jesse. He shall rise to to reign over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles trust. And boy, I'm thankful, uh, friends, tonight that we have a Savior uh, to all people, to the Jew and the Gentile alike. If you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, friends, you can be set free. In verse number 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, 
that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. What about that? That you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Well, I'm going to tell you something, friends. Listen, it's time that we act, that we uh, open ourselves up and expose ourselves to the Holy Ghost. It's time that, friends, listen, that we present ourselves available for use. Amen. It's time that we make ourselves available. Brother Colby preached on that this past Sunday. Making yourself available. Friends, listen, we need to make ourselves available for the Holy Ghost of God to do a work uh, and and manifest His gift in us for the glory of God for the betterment, edification of the church, and most of all, that we may abound in hope. God bless you tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll pick back up in verse number 14. Uh, I was kind of hoping that tonight and next week we'd get through with the book of Romans, but that's just not going to happen. Uh, it's going to take us a couple or three more weeks, but we'll get through it. We love the Word of God. We appreciate the Word of God. We appreciate the people of Timber Ridge. Thankful. Uh, that you joined in with us tonight. I hope that God has uh, thoroughly enriched and blessed you tonight. Uh, And good Lord willing, we'll see you uh, Sunday morning. We love you.